Welcome back, folks, to Run It By My Lawyer. I'm really excited. I heard from a few people that had questions during the last week. And, uh, you know, as always, like like I like to say, my goal here is to empower you folks. Kind of uh, have, be you could say you could be able to get the uh, experience of a lawyer like myself, 21 plus years. And uh, we talk about current events, about politicians, about lawsuits. And you'll have the ability when you listen to this to understand the lawyer's perspective and how lawyers read these statutes and understand these lawsuits so that when you're in a debate and everyone, you know, we debate politics or law, you are empowered to fight back. All right. And even lawyers, us lawyers, we learn from each other when I have a, a new case and whatnot. I run it by other lawyers. They do the same. So it's a very good forum for all of us to kind of learn from each other. Um, sort of like if there's, you know, uh, a medical issue, I always ask doctors about it or the vaccines I ask doctors or if there's funding or a potential, uh, you know, new tax uh, bond to build a new bridge, you know, to renovate an old bridge or something, I would ask an engineer, right? So my goal here is to provide the same for you from the lawyer's perspective. And uh, ha, and of course, our war against the word literally, <laughs> right? You literally never have to say the word literally, okay? And uh, if you ever catch somebody, you know, I literally went to the store three times that day. They could have just said I went to the store three times that day. Um, all right, so uh, yes, today we're going to talk about AOC, full name, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, all right, uh, and the nickname of AOC. Uh, she became a congresswoman at 29 years old, went from bartending to Congress. She literally went from bartending to being a congresswoman, all right, uh, at age 29, and she was the first uh, uh, person of color in the New York 14th District to, to get into Congress, okay? So we'll, we'll talk about how she did that. Um, and before we do that, so run it by my lawyer. I've had a lot of people kind of uh, run legal questions by me, right? And um, in this past week, I had one, and it was kind of uh, a crazy story. So I had somebody that contacted me, and what happened was this. She has a son who's 16 years old, and uh, he has a girlfriend that's 15 years old, and apparently they were having sex in the woman's house, right? Her, uh, his mom's house, okay? And according to his mom, you know, something happened. The girl uh, was complaining something hurt, uh, and she called her dad, and this is not going to go well, okay? <laughs> uh, she calls her dad. Her dad comes, picks her up, takes her. And uh, then filed a police report saying that uh, they were having non-consensual sex. Um, and then this is when uh, she ended up calling me is, you know, I, she ran it by a lawyer. Okay. She called me because then the police detective uh, went to their house just to ask questions, find out what's going on. Um, 
And she asked me, what do we do? Should we talk to the police detective? And I said, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Do not talk to the police detective under any circumstances because he has the right. Every criminal accused person has the right to not incriminate himself. And what police detectives do when they ask a lot of questions is certain information might come out and, and information that may be true, may not be true, or he remembered something or didn't remember something. Uh, he gets nervous. Sometimes when you talk to a police detective, they kind of, uh, let me see how I could say this diplomatically, right? They steer the conversation in certain ways or they'll ask questions a certain way and it could go bad, okay? And then, um, you know, he has the right not to talk to him. And, um, you know, he could accidentally um, incriminate himself. And, uh, you know, it could be the situation, for example, you know, her dad files a complaint. She goes there. Maybe she says a few things to the police. They get it from then they talk to him. If he corroborates or if he gives them more information or just says something like, you know, oh, I know I shouldn't have or, or whatever. If he says something like that or or whatever, right? It could be bad. You know, he could always uh, talk later if he wants. One of the few things <laughs> that is like very certain is you don't want to talk until uh, you you talk to a lawyer and then the lawyer and you agree that you'll talk to the police or that you'll testify in court or anything like that. Uh, it's always better to hold off. And um, yeah, so that's kind of uh, one of the stories that stuck out in terms of what people ran by me. I, I figured that would be something uh, I could share here. Uh, of course, I'm not saying any names or whatnot. Um, I, I, like I said, with, with criminal defendants, you never want to talk. Uh, I had one case, you know, uh, the guy got busted for having a lot of drugs at the house. Okay, he had a lot of cocaine at his house. The thing was though, he had three roommates in that house. So there's four people that lived in that house. And when he got busted, the 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 police officer said, "Okay, well, you know, what uh when did you get all of that cocaine or when did you get it or how did you come across it blah blah blah." And then he was telling him, "Oh, I bought it from this and this place." So what happened was by him saying that, he incriminated himself because he then proved for the prosecutor that it was his drugs, <laughs> right? Had he not said that, the prosecutor would have had a difficult time proving which one of the four roommates was the one who uh, owned or possessed or had control of the of the uh, cocaine, <laughs> right? So by him talking, he incriminated himself, and that was the, the biggest kind of building block for the prosecutor. All right, but my best advice is just don't have drugs and don't commit crime. <laughs> all right, so now let's talk about AOC, all right? Uh, with her, she has an amazing story and, uh, it's, it's very interesting. And and then, uh, you'll see from her story kind of like why her politics are the way they are and why a lot of people love her and a lot of people hate her. Okay. Um, so we'll start with, okay. So she, uh, is Puerto Rican, you know, her parents were, are Puerto Rican, um, which oh, man, I don't know. I know, I know Puerto Ricans, it's, it's Americans, but it's, they're Puerto Ricans, right? <laughs> so every, you know, when I talk to my friends that are Puerto Rican, it's like, you know, they're American, but they're Puerto Rican. You know, there's a, you know, even within the United States, it's considered the United States, but it's not a state. 
Okay. It's what's called an unincorporated area. Okay. So they, you know, they don't have senators, but they have people in, you know, they have, they could have a Congress person. They, they vote for federal elections. Uh, you know, so they're, you know, a part of America, but it's not, you know, a state. So it's like, there's a stronger identification when someone's from Puerto Rico, I think, than if they say, you know, yeah, my parents are, you know, Ohioan <laughs> or, you know, Minnesotan. What is that? Is it Minnesotan? All right, you see what I'm saying? But uh, anyway, so her her parents are Puerto Rican. Her dad died while she was uh, in high school, uh, you know, sadly. But, you know, oh, speaking of high school, so get this. Before she went into politics, she, in high school, she was, you know, uh, you know, uh, edging toward becoming, you know, like in, uh, majoring in biology and 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 some sort of uh, medical field, right? And even in high school, she was into science, biology. Get this, this is something uh, when I was researching more of her story and what was going on, I didn't know. She won this scientific prize, you know, from like uh, doing the scientific studies. It was something with microbiology and uh, MIT, okay, was so impressed, the kind of the MIT that names the, um, you know, uh, asteroids and planets and, and all of this, they named an asteroid after AOC, all right? And this was in high school. She was in high school. This is before she uh, went into Congress. I just never knew. There's an asteroid out there. The official name is 23238. Ocasio-Cortez. So there's an asteroid that is named after her because she did so good in science in um, in high school. And speaking of high school, she graduated in the year 2007. Okay, she's very young, right? Um, she was born in 1989. And the reason why I'm going over that is she's not even eligible to run for president uh, right now because she's not 35 years old. It just so happens that she turns 35 in October of 2024, which would be the month before the election in 2024. So she can run for president in 2024 because she turns 35 about, it's actually less than a month from the election in 2024. So if she runs, it'll be because she had just turned 35. Um, as many of my friends say, they have a minimum age to run for president. They should have a maximum age <laughs> to run for president. Um, the United States Constitution only has a minimum age, and that minimum age is 35. I think because back then, you know, I don't think people lived as long as Joe Biden did, right? <laughs> oh, by the way, so Joe Biden, I have some jokes. Uh, Joe Biden is so old that he ordered an advanced copy of the Old Testament, all right? Joe Biden is so old that in history class, they just used to talk about what he did, <laughs> all right? Let me see, what other old jokes? Joe Biden is so old. Joe Biden is so old that if you ask him to act his age, he might die, all right? Okay, so now, we go back to uh, AOC. So a couple of tidbits. In college, she majored in biology. Then she changed it to economics and international relations. She uh, interned at one point while she was in college. She went to Boston University for Ted Kennedy. Okay. Um, and she was the only Spanish speaker in Ted Kennedy's total 
uh, office and, you know, everywhere in the Ted Kennedy, uh, you know, uh, all of his uh, staffers and whatnot. She's the only one that spoke Spanish. So she says that she got a lot of uh, um, uh, talk to people that, you know, Spanish speakers in in that district in the in the state of Massachusetts and that she learned a lot about the the plight of uh, Spanish speaking people and Latinos uh, while she interned for Ted Kennedy while she was in college. And then uh, in 2016, she she worked for the Bernie Sanders campaign. All right. Great. Thank you very much. Now let's talk about how she did it and what happened for someone who's 29 years old. OK, uh, with zero experience, you know, kind of in the sense that, you know, it was her first uh, job, you know, I shouldn't say zero experience. Like if you count the internship <laughs> and a little bit of campaigning for Bernie Sanders, I don't know, maybe that counts a little, right? So other than that, no kind of uh, political governmental experience, right? So uh, how did she do it? And this, as I said, literally she was bartending when she became a congresswoman or when she was elected. Um, in her district, okay, it's the 14th district of New York. And that is uh, part of the Bronx, like the east part of the Bronx and some parts of Queens. So that's the, uh, you know, the, the constituents. That's the, the 14th district. And what happened was this. The person she ran against is, was Joe Crawley. He was the uh, Congress representative for the 14th district since 2004. And then fast forward when she ran in 2018. Uh, so he was there for you know 14 years and and he he basically went unopposed nobody opposed him he just won every time he became he kept getting you know uh reelected reelected so he was the incumbent and even when she ran uh get this even when she ran governor uh then governor Cuomo then mayor Bill de Blasio and every kind of big shot politician in New York endorsed Joe Crawley Okay, over AOC. So when she ran, she had no endorsements and then she had no money. <laughs> okay, and then she also made it a point not to get money from any corporations. Okay, so she made it a point that she wouldn't get money from corporations. Um, my theory is probably no corporations would have funded her anyway, <laughs> right? But anyway, no, she said, I'm not going to get any corporate funding, uh, you know, while I run. So how the heck did she do it? She still won and she still got into Congress, 29 years old, no money, no endorsements and no corporate backing, you know, none of that, right? Uh, the way she did it is basically, uh, it was very grassroots. I, I don't know. That's, that's, you know, it's, it's true. It's, it's seriously, she literally, okay. She's calling people. Uh, she did very good about, you know, um, her Twitter accounts and Instagram accounts and kind of people talking to other people and, and endorsing her, like, you know, in the communities, she went out there, she was, you know, going door to door. I mean, she seriously, uh, did all those things and she was on the phone. She was talking to people in different restaurants um, there was some, uh, associations that started backing her and then their people, you know, uh, would start, um, you know, uh, promoting her to become the Congress, uh, representative of the 14th district of New York. And then in 2018, she won. 
All right. Um, she did it against all those odds. In fact, most of uh, politicians and those think tanks and whatnot, uh, they call it the, the biggest upset, <laughs> you know, uh, like imaginable is her beating the incumbent Joe Crawley uh, with all that money. He had all this money from big corporations. He had the endorsements of, of the governor, of the mayor of New York, of, of you know, everyone else. And somehow she ends up beating him in 2018. Okay, now there's something else that happened. In addition to becoming, you know, the Congresswoman of the 14th District, she then becomes basically one of the most popular and known Congress members, right? Uh, right when she won, okay? There are 435 uh, congressional representatives, 435, okay? And she's one of the most popular ones and she did it, you know, the first month she got in there. So how did it happen? This is what I want to uh, talk about here. There's a few things she did is uh, one, and let me make sure I say this correctly. She was very, she's very vocal and she's a part of what's called the American, what is it? The American Democrats and Socialists or the Dem American Dem Democratic Socialists, okay? So she's she calls herself, you know, a socialist, right? And is that a bad word? Is that a good word? You know, it's up to you to decide, right? And uh, she was very vocal about it. And then she was also very vocal about some of the changes that she wants to make uh, in the United States, right? And then as my uh, conservative friends say, um, you know, as, as my uh, brother and dad and conservative friends would say, they'll say, well, of course, Joe Samo, everyone loves AOC because she just wants to give everybody money. <laughs> right? She just wants to give everyone money. Of course, everyone's going to love her. All right. Let's see. I don't know if that part is absolutely true. Uh, she does have a following of, you know, like over 12 million people in Twitter and over 9 million people in Instagram. She has such a big following that there was a, a, a lawsuit against her. Uh, what happened was there was a few critics that she had on her Twitter account and she blocked them. All right. And listen, uh, we've all been guys. We've all been blocked. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm sure I've been blocked. I think I grew up in a time period, you know, before the Twitter and whatnot. So not many people blocked me because they just didn't have the technology to block Joe Sammo back then. But she blocked her critics. <laughs> all right. And one of them, actually, a few of them sued her for blocking them. OK. And this is uh, one of the things I want to talk about. This is actually new law. Uh, and and what it, the law is this for if a government official has a Twitter or Instagram account and if they use that for um, kind of their, you know, any sort of like office reasons, you know, any political reasons or, or campaigning or uh, any sort of, you know, uh, like you know, tweeting out something about their office or something about, you know, oh, I want to change this tax rule or whatnot. There's new law that came, new federal law that came out that says once uh, government officials start doing that, then their Twitter account or, or Instagram account and whatnot becomes a public forum. All right. And what that means, the public forum, the, the principle behind the public forum is that it's like a public park. 
or you know kind of like a like a government like a public yeah you know, like I said like a public park or you know a public area or something so in a public area where there's no schools or no um you know streets that are running through it and whatnot you have a lot of free speech rights in a public forum um you know of course you can't like like uh start making terrorist threats or you know what do they say you can't yell fire right uh if there's no fire things like that you can't but in a public forum you have a lot of free speech rights so some new law that came out just a few years ago is that if a government official has one of these social media accounts and they use it for their their official uh kind of capacities and uh responsibilities and promoting or campaigning then their account becomes a public forum and get this it's a violation of free speech for them to block critics okay it's against the constitution all right um you know i know i know the framers didn't have a twitter account all right so the united states supreme court through you know jurisprudence and it says okay we know that they didn't have a twitter account uh you know in the 1700s but they did want free speech and they wanted free speech in, in public forums so based on technology we're going to consider this twitter account a public forum and uh and then you know so people can't be blocked also uh, President Trump got sued over the same thing. It's kind of, his case was kind of funny because he did not lose his case. And let me tell you why. What happened in his case was he he got sued because he was also blocking uh, people on Twitter. And then a federal court ruled that he can't do that, okay? And so what did he do? He appealed, all right? Um, and then another federal court said he can't do that. What did he do? He appealed and it went to the United States Supreme Court. And while it was sitting there, you know, I always love to say while it was sitting on the United States Supreme Court's desks. OK, um, Twitter kicked him off. <laughs> right. Uh, Twitter kicked him off. So then the United States Supreme Court said, ah, now we'll take this case and we're going to consider this case moot. All right. Moot means who cares right now, all right? Because he doesn't have Twitter anymore. <laughs> he got kicked off Twitter. So it doesn't really matter who he blocked. So then they reversed the decision and, and dismissed the case. So technically, okay, President Trump did not lose that case, you know. Um, it's kind of funny, right? It was illegal for him uh, to block critics on Twitter, Okay. However, it's not illegal for Twitter to block him. All right. <laughs> so this is interesting free speech. Uh, and a lot of people said, well, there's no free speech if he's getting kicked off Twitter and he's getting kicked off of these big social media, you know, because there's only there's only so many of them. Right. Um, that it's not fair uh, that he would be kicked off. Where is the free speech? And and the, the answer to that, based on United States Supreme Court decisions, is that if it's a private entity, they can block and kick people off, okay, uh, because it's their free speech right. But when it's a government entity, so it's the government entity that has its own Twitter account, they cannot block uh, critics on their account. And the re and and because then, uh, you know, it's a government that's kicking someone off, all right, of a public forum, not a private company. Uh, all right. So for better or worse, that is the law. Okay. In that, in that respect. Okay. 
Now, I want to get to AOC. And uh, from the legal uh, perspective, let's look at some of the things that she's advocating. Okay, uh, first and foremost, free college. <laughs> okay, uh, and a cancellation of student debts. Okay, my God, that is that is a crazy one because there's about 1.6 trillion dollars of student debt. All right, now I want I want you to be empowered. I want you to understand the legal kind of aspects of this. How the heck? Can the government cancel this? Okay. A lot of that student debt, um, actually, I shouldn't say a lot. Some of it is uh, the federal government's the lender. Okay. Some of it, and most of it, it's private banks that are uh, the lenders to student loans. Okay. And so if you cancel it, uh, some people mistakenly seem to think that, oh, it's not taxpayers that pay it because. It's the banks that then have to pay it, right? Because it was their lending. But that's not true <laughs> because uh, it's the Fifth Amendment, right? You cannot take something away without due process and just compensation, all right? So if you have a private bank that lent money to a student, you can't then, the federal government cannot just come in and say, we're going to cancel that. The only way to do that would be they have to compensate that bank <laughs> right um it just wouldn't work there it would be you know i don't think a court would allow the federal government to just come in um you know i'm i'm confident that courts would not allow the federal government just to make a law and just cancel debt like private debt uh they would have to uh i think they'll, they they could get away with it if they pay it off okay so that one that would be a big big amount of money for the taxpayers to pay, to pay those private banks to, to cancel the student debt. Uh, and I swear, I think the people most against cancellation of student loans are the people that paid back the student loans, you know? Um, that's kind of my joke, you know? I, I think a lot of people would be like, wait a minute, I paid off my student loans. Why does this people get it, get it taken off? All right. Um, and then again, my conservative friends, I, I could hear you. Of course, everyone's going to vote for her because she's promising free everything. Right. Um, I think that, you know, that's one of her her goals. Um, I think, like I said, she uh, the lawyer's aspect is it's OK as long as uh, the money is there to pay off the private uh, lenders uh, that. All right. Uh, let's see what other policies does she have? Okay, here's a, a tricky one. She want in terms of income tax, she wants to raise the federal income tax rate for people making more than $10 million to the rate of 70%. All right. Uh, okay, I got now I want to give you the legal, uh, my legal theory about this. Okay, I think that that would make close to a 0% difference, even if that passed, okay? Here's why. Because people that make that much money, uh, in terms of the income tax, they don't make that much money, all right? Let me, let me explain what I mean. So for the people that make over $10 million a year, they cushion their uh, compensation so that they don't have, they don't make that money. All right. Even though they make that money. OK, here it is. Here's the little, little lawyerly. Uh, this is how they get away with it. 
So if they work for some some big executive, works for some big company, then you know uh, he says, "Oh man, my salary is only a meager two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. That's all I make." You know, uh, and then you know the other things is that I got these stocks or stock options, right? And then uh, what he does that year is maybe if he needs to, you know, he'll sell some of those stock options. And then he gets his $250,000 salary. Then he gets $20 million from selling the stock options, right? So he only made $250,000. The other $20 million was just, oh, he did great in the stock market, apparently. And so that is not income. It's not income. It's a capital gain. All right. And some, hey, coincidentally, capital gains are are charged at a way lower rate. All right. Um, so that that person, you know, they didn't make $10 million. Um, the other little trick, there's a lot of little tricks. They can have all these stocks and then they get a loan against their stock. Then it's like, hey, I got a $10 million loan or a $20 million loan against the stocks. That's not really income either because it's just a loan, <laughs> right? Uh, so in my view, I don't think, I think her saying, uh, let's tax the rich, that's not the way to do it. <laughs> you know, uh, she can make it, you know, I, I highly doubt there's a lot of people that have an actual income that's taxable that's over $10 million. Even the billionaires probably don't have that. You know, um, all right. So the next order of business that she wants to do, she wants in terms of immigration law, she wants to abolish uh, ICE <laughs> as the kind of the in, the immigration police sort of sort of. Uh, I don't know what that would do um, in the sense from the legal aspect. It's 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 basically what she's saying, in my view, from the legal from the lawyerly aspect, it's like. She would. She's not changing the law necessarily. She's just changing the uh, enforcers of the law. Okay. So then, but uh, clearly, right? If you change the enforcers of the law, you're basically changing the law, right? Like if I said something like, "Okay, you can't park on you know Hamishaw Boulevard after two p.m." Right? But then everyone knows. There's no uh, ticketing, police ticket officers, right? Then at that point, it's like, F it, let's park <laughs> here, right? So um, I don't know. I think her immigration policy is very, uh, you know, something like that, abolishing ICE, you know, the, the so-called enforcers. I think it, her immigration policy would be, she might as well just say, right? Hey, uh, let's just let everybody in, <laughs> right? Uh, da, 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 da. Okay. Uh, then she has another one. Uh, and this is one of the ways that, uh, I think she became very popular is the, what, what she calls the, the green deal, the great new, the great green deal. Um, and, and right when she, uh, got into office, she protested, like physically protested outside of Nancy Pelosi's office over the climate change issues. Okay. And then this great new deal, there's, uh, it's very strict. It's, uh, it would basically, there's very strict uh, measures that would be uh, passed in terms of, uh, you know, what uh, manufacturers can do in the United States and how they can, um, you know, what they have to build and how they have to build it. You know, I won't bore you with all the details. Um, and But it also would have to change 
a lot of the current infrastructure and build new infrastructure that would be uh, a lot more green, okay? Uh, like building uh, bridges and offices and things like that 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 re that use renewable energy, you know, like like solar energy and whatnot. That is very, very, very expensive, like trillions of dollars. And she said, you know, from the legal way, she said, you know, that's where she got the let's just tax the rich, <laughs> right? She even went to a Met Gala performance, or I don't know what it's called. I've never been invited, so I have no idea. A Met Gala party. Uh, soiree. I have no idea, but she had this dress and it had in, in bright red tax the rich. So she said that that we can get this from, you know, uh, looking and, and redoing our tax uh, infrastructure. Again, from the legal aspect, I don't even think uh, I think she would have to do some crazy things like um, tax capital gains higher. <laughs> you know, that might start a revolution in terms of the people that make a lot of money in capital gains. Or she'd have to do something else crazy because the the whole idea of just let's just tax the income bracket higher over ten million dollars that would I don't think that would make any money. All right. Um, the other thing that she did, um, she Amazon wanted to open up a headquarters in New York City, uh, and she opposed it, uh, saying that well, why do we need to bring Amazon here? Um, basically Amazon was looking for like very, very big tax breaks. And then if they got these huge tax breaks, then they would open up offices in, in New York. And she opposed it saying, why do we have to give Amazon all this money to, uh, to come, come here? Right. Um, and you know, even if they bring jobs or even if they do this, they're going to take a lot of the city's resources and, uh, we're giving them a tax break when they're making, you know, billions and billions of dollars. Um, I think that's a very popular thing to say, right? There was a lot of critics that said economically for New York that that was a bad idea because they would have created jobs and that would have created, yeah, that would create a lot of uh, taxable revenue because the people that would work there, they would get taxed high, right? But, uh, you know, so they said that the tax breaks would be offset by the extra money that Amazon would bring if they come to New York City. She opposed it. And ultimately, if I'm not mistaken, you know, Amazon just ditched that whole idea. Um, she, her critics are so bad that they even, you know, she has claimed that they have harassed her, like even fellow Congress representatives. This is something that's just, uh, it's crazy. So there was one, uh, you know, she said that uh, a, a fellow representative, Mr. Yoho, uh, went up to her, you know, as she was walking into the Capitol, like as she's walking into, you know, Congress, and he just started yelling at her and and basically cussing her out, you know, um, and things like that. And he like pointed his finger at her and he he said things that I, I don't want to repeat right now. Um, man, uh, and then there was a Paul Gosar. He made a video showing uh, himself shooting and killing her, <laughs> right? I mean, that's pretty crazy for a Congress representative to do. Um, I would have probably said, listen, maybe, you know, you could express your anger some other way, <laughs> right? Um, where where we go in the future, in my opinion, I think that if she, you know, I think she's going to remain very popular, uh, yes, as my, you know, very conservative friends would say, because she's handing out free money, as they would say. No, I think she's going to remain very popular. I do think that her uh, 
policies of trying to raise money through taxes has to be uh, reevaluated and restructured uh, so that it would it would you know actually raise money <laughs> that way. You know, um, I'm just saying if I was her lawyer, I would tell her that that the policies don't work this way if you want to raise money. I'm not saying it's a good idea. It might be, it might not be. You know, I'm just talking about just from the lawyer standpoint, she would have to do it a much different way. So I, it doesn't seem to me that she would be able to fund these things very well, like uh, releasing all the student debt and, and paying a trillion and a half dollar, dollars and and this great new deal is going to be another few trillion dollars. I don't see how uh, legally she's going to be uh, able to bring in that money. OK, um, if she changes the policies around and then able to bring it, then it could be great. <laughs> right. That is out of my uh, expertise. You know, I'm just I'm a lawyer here. So I'm giving you the my lawyerly take. And I do that because I want you if you are you know, debating or arguing or, or considering, you know, voting for these things, or if you, you want to support AOC, uh, you don't want to support her, I want you to know the kind of law behind it and how she got there and what she's trying to do and, and, and how she's trying to structure her policies. Most importantly, uh, thank you for being here this week with me. And my goal, please, anything you have, just feel free to run it by me, you know, run it by my lawyer, give me a call, my number's right here. You know, 619-672-1741. Uh, you know, leave a comment, ask a question, whatever you want to do. I love hearing from you folks. And uh, and I'll see you next week. 